week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. We're glad you're a part of it tonight and we hope you'll stay tuned. My name is Jacob Gwynn. It is Thursday night, December 22nd. 21st. 21st. It'll be 22nd in a little while. And my father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, good to be with you on Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. And my brother, Jared Gwynn, is in town, and Jared's here. Hello, Jared. Hello. Welcome to the program tonight. Thank you. All right. Well, we've got an interesting program planned. Want to talk about, uh, well, Dad, there's a holiday coming up. We want to talk about that tonight. Yeah, I think uh, it almost would seem inappropriate to talk about anything else tonight. I'm sure. it's on a lot of people's mind. Uh, the holiday weekend is coming up. We want to talk about Christmas, several different aspects of the Christmas observance, uh, not from the standpoint of what the world thinks and does relative to the uh, to, to this time of year, but what does the Bible teach, and especially as Christians, what should be our concerns? You know, Jacob, a lot of people might not recognize it, but uh, I think this uh, so-called Christmas holiday presents a number of specific dangers that Christians need to be aware of, and we want to talk about some of that. We'd be open to all comments, questions, uh, anything you'd like to add to the discussion tonight. You can send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, or give us a phone call, 931 381 Four five six seven. We'd be glad to get you right on the air with us. Uh, there's, we can take this discussion in a lot of different directions. But what do you think about Christmas? What do you think about the observance of Christmas? Christians observing Christmas, Christmas holidays? Should they or should they not? We want to get your input on the virtual Bible study tonight. Um, might before we get into that discussion, while you're getting your email tuned up or while you are getting ready to dial us on the phone, let us get, do a little bit of administrative work here. Uh, we mentioned last week that the College View Church is uh, going to make available again a, a Bible reading calendar for the year 2007. It has Bible readings for five days out of every week. It'll get you through the whole Bible in a year. And uh, we've done this for several years. A lot of people have used it and really appreciate the Bible reading calendar. If you would like to have one of those, send us your send us an email questions at collegeview.com tell us you want the bible reading calendar and give us your snail mail your regular u.s postal mail address and we'll get that in the mail to you so um just let us know and we'd be glad to get you one of those bible reading calendars i think it'd be very useful we need to be into the bible we need to be reading it regularly and this will help you do that We've got some new equipment, Jacob, and Jacob's still over there trying to fine-tune. We, we've been having lots of trouble with equipment, a lot of trouble with websites. I think we've just about worked ourselves through that. Uh, thanks again to our good friend Phil Hunt at Webcast Fusion up in uh, Nashville, uh, who's providing streaming services and website hosting services for us, and, and he's got a, he's really been a huge help on that. We've got some new equipment here, and Jacob, uh, as I said, is fine-tuning that. For those of you who are regular listeners, if you ever lose the audio stream in the course of the program, 
you don't have to log back on. You don't have to go through the login process. If you just hit the play button on your media player, uh, when the stream picks up, if you'll just keep it every few seconds trying to hit that play button, it'll pick it back up as soon as the stream is available. Uh, we had one of our regular listeners last week said that he lost, he thought it was our problem, turned out it was his problem, his, his, uh, modem had dropped offline. So you might check that. If your modem is online, if you're still connected to the internet and you're not getting a stream, just stay right where you're at and keep hitting the play button on your, uh, media player to pick us back up. All right. Well, we're glad you're part of the program tonight. We'd like you to comment by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com, by calling us at 931-381-4567. And those are the ways you can participate on the program tonight. As we talk about the Christmas holiday and a lot of dangers associated with the Christmas holidays, you know, Dad, in spite of the fact we may be on vacation from work, in spite of the fact that we may have some leisure time, we need to remember that the devil is still after our soul. That's right. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 says that he stalks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Uh, Satan never is off duty. He never takes a vacation. He never takes a day off from work. He's constantly watching for any, any slight opening that he can use to get at us, to tempt us to sin. And I, I'm sure that a lot of people in the world would never realize it, but I think that he can use something even like this so-called Christmas holiday to to present an opportunity to to put temptation before us and try to get us to sin. That's right. This devil is always looking for our soul. Whatever day it is of the year, he's looking for our soul. And as a result, there are some dangers associated with the time of year that we live in now. One of the dangers, I believe, that um, many Christians fall prey to, the fact the devil's trying to get us to sin at this time of year as well as any time of the year, one of the dangers of this time of the year, I believe, that the devil is able to get us to sin in is in the area of lying. I believe that's one of the hazards that we face this year or this time of year to our souls. There are a lot of things that uh, people are tempted to lie about. As we look at gift giving, often we're tempted to lie about the gifts that we've gotten to keep them a secret. The devil's able to get Christians to lie this time of year as they try to keep their now, gifts a just, secret. Just a little white lie. You know, you asked me if I got you that present that you mentioned last week, Jacob, and I said, well, no, I didn't get it. When, in fact, I really had gotten it, but I was wanting to keep it a surprise to you, you know. And so it's just a, just a little white lie, not a big black lie, just a little white lie. Would it be bad to do that? I think it would be. Absolutely. It's a lie, right? <laughs> Revelation 21, verse 8 says, all liars will have their part in the lake that burns with fire. So, yes, we got to be on guard. Something as simple as that, that's just that's a simple illustration of how something that a lot of people would consider to be an innocent thing can turn out to be a temptation to lead us into sin. Here's another one. All right, so I may lie to you about the present before you get it, and then after you get it, Dad, when you ask me, did I get you those uh, funny-looking socks, and I tell you no because I want you to be surprised, and you get the funny-looking socks that I give you, and I ask you what you think about them, and you say you love them when you really don't. Yeah. Because I don't want to hurt your feelings, because you gave me that gift that's just absolutely hideous. But you know, I want to protect your feelings. After all, it is the holiday season, and so I let on that I'm pleased with it when, in fact, I'm not. And I tell you, I like it when I don't. And so, you know, again, there's just different ways that we might turn out to be dishonest uh, in in regards to things that are happening at this time of year. And perhaps the biggest temptation, and again, the devil's trying to get us to sin, right? He's looking for ways to tempt us. Another way that the devil tempts us to lie is in the story of Santa Claus, telling our children that Santa Claus will come down the chimney 
with presents on his back, and he'll put them under the tree. And when the kids get up in the morning, we tell them, look what Santa brought us. We may have the kids put out cookies and milk, and then we'll go and look like Santa ate those. We're trying to get the kids to believe in something that doesn't exist. Jared, we're lying to our children when we tell them that Santa Claus is someone that's real. Exactly. It's a lie. We're telling our children lies. We're telling lies when we say we like presents and we don't. And the Bible commands us to be honest, and that's not to be honest at certain times of year. It's to be honest at all times of year, and that includes Christmas. Dad, it's interesting to see, though, how Christians try to justify this line that they do. You know, They say they're trying to protect someone's feelings, or we want our children to have a, a magical Christmas experience. We want to tell them about Santa Claus. We're all just trying to justify lying, and that's what the devil well, wants. Somebody may, may think that we're... Perhaps straining at a gnat here, Jacob, but you know, the Bible's pretty plain about telling the truth. Colossians 3 verse 9, lie not one to another, seeing that you've put off the old man with his deeds. Uh, also in Proverbs 12 verse 22, we see that lying is an abomination. Proverbs 12:22, lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly with his, are his delight. And you mentioned also Revelation 21 verse 8, also we realize what company liars are in. But the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burned with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So we see what company the liars are in in Revelations 21, verse 8. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure, Jacob, you brought up the, the story of Santa Claus and telling little kids about Santa Claus and Santa Claus did this and Santa Claus will do that and let's write a letter to Santa Claus. And Are, are, are we just being just absolute... You know, killjoys and sticking to muds by, by saying, you know, asking Christians to rethink, uh, the, the propriety of telling those kind of tales to their kids. What do you think? Let us know your thoughts. 931-381-4567. If it's good to, if it's, what we're saying is if, if it's good to tell about Santa Claus, should we do it or not? Let us know your thoughts. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com or use the Skype button to participate on the program tonight. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com or use the Skype button. What do you think about Santa Claus? You know, a lot of people want to justify their lying, want to justify lying to their children about Santa Claus, want to justify telling a lie about the present that they got or telling a lie about how they feel about a present. Does the Bible allow for that? Let us know your thoughts. You know, Jesus said that uh, we're supposed to tell the truth. Matthew 5:37, let your yes be yes and your no no for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So just tell the truth. That's what he told us to do. Jacob, we got a contact there? We're working on getting a contact on the program, but plenty of time to take a comment from you. Send us your emails and let us know your thoughts on the program tonight. Let's uh, let's let's move on from that. Again, somebody may be thinking that we're maybe straining at a gnat to complain about the the dishonesty that's associated to some degree with the with the gift giving and the Santa Claus and all of Christmas. If if you think you can justify that and you'd like to make an argument in favor of it, feel free. We'd be glad to get you right on the air with us. Let's talk about what I think is probably more obviously a problem associated with Christmas, and that is the the problem of materialism. Um, I'm telling you that 
you hear this in the news all the time. Merchants are absolutely depending upon having a good fourth quarter. In fact, mo- many businesses could not survive annually if it were not for the income they get from their fourth quarter business leading up to Christmas. Uh, Gallup poll reported last year that Americans will spend $763 on gifts. Uh, now that was a 2005 figure, so this year will be no doubt even higher. Uh, Kids expect to have hundreds of dollars spent on them every year for Christmas gifts. And there's just a lot of money spent and materialistic outlook related to Christmas. And, and of course, the Bible warns us about materialism. What about that? Absolutely. We've got to be careful about materialism. Uh, giving gifts at any time of the year is a good idea. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, I have showed you in all things. I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to so support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So giving gifts is a good thing. There's nothing wrong at, at all with giving gifts. We ought to be a giving people. Yeah, that's and I think especially there that Paul was emphasizing the Lord's teaching on giving to those in need. I think I think that kind of giving is appropriate at any time of the year, but just being generous and giving things to people is a good thing. But covetousness is a real danger, Jacob. Absolutely. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. This verse tells us very carefully we've got to be on guard against covetousness. And if we do not guard against it, Dad, even at the time of the year that we're in now, when giving gifts is, is very common, if we're not on guard against covetousness right now, then we could fall prey to the sin that Jesus warned us about. Exactly right. I think we need to be careful. Jared, you got another verse there? Yeah, a parallel verse to that in Hebrews 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that's really a, a nightmare for the marketing campaigns of the, all these companies over Christmas, as they're trying to constantly put before us that we need to have more and more, and that what you have is not good enough, and you need to get more, and you need to get new things, especially during Christmas. What do you think about the dangers that we face at this time of year? What are some of the hazards of this holiday season? We want to hear from you. 931-381-4567 is the number to call. Questions at collegeu.com is the email address to use. And we can take your comments over Skype tonight if you use the Skype button on our website. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that He commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. 
Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. Thank you for being a part of it. We'd like to hear from you on the program. 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or Skype the Virtual Bible Study to participate tonight. We're talking about Christmas and the hazards of the holiday season. We've talked about lying. What do you think? Is it all right to tell your kids about Santa Claus? Is it all right to tell a little lie about the presents that you've gotten? Or uh, what do you think about lying? We got an email from from our friend Jack. Jack wrote in and commented about several things relative to Christmas, and I may be referencing his email several different times here. But one of the things he said was in regards to what we were talking about lying. Jack said, what about children of God telling their kids that there's a Santa Claus and he does know all? Under the guise of not wanting to hurt the, the child's feelings, a lie is perpetrated and endorsed by the parents. Then on top of that, parents gladly and gleefully take their children to the mall to sit on Santa's lap and tell Santa what they want for Christmas. Then the children will trot off home and at night they will bow down to pray to God and tell him what they want. Is there not some inconsistency there? Um, uh, so uh, Jack is seeing one of the problems that we have is the problem of of not telling the truth to our kids about Santa Claus. I think you're exactly right, Jack. I, uh, uh, concerning Santa Claus, he says, Remember now, this is a person that has been given godlike qualities. He knows who's good and bad, and he dishes out rewards and punishments according, accordingly. He sits on top of the world, the North Pole, and he sees and knows all. Uh, you know, if you stop to th- think about that, uh, uh, it's kind of it's kind of scary <laughs> the way Jack has put that. He says the thought to consider is why would we want to celebrate Christmas as a holiday in the first place? Is it any less harm to celebrate Santa Claus and his entourage? Can we stand in front of our God and proclaim that we are, are within our rights to celebrate Old Saint Nick? So uh, Jack's got some strong thinking along those lines, and I'd have to agree with him. That and that all goes to that point we were making earlier about you know just not maintaining basic honesty. Um, Jacob, just before the break, we were talking about the danger of uh, materialism associated with this holiday. And uh, we might comment one more verse. Colossians 3, verse 5 says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Uh, you know, Certainly we live in a materialistic age. People are coveting the things of this world. Christians are being carried along with that tide. And we need to be careful not to be committing the sin of covetousness. It is surely one of the dangers associated with this time of year. So It's associated with this time of year in the country that we live in. With the prosperity that we enjoy, we can be wrapped up in our material things. We've got to be careful about that. And what do you think about uh, materialism this time of year? Let us know your thoughts. We're going to go to the phones, going up to Bowling Green, Ohio. George is here. Hello, George. Welcome to the program. Okay. Uh, we got some. We got some technical difficulties here. Hold on, just a second, George. Everybody got their headphones away from the. All right. Go ahead and go ahead. Try again, George. Uh, you already mentioned Colossians 3 and 5, and uh, that one uh, always bothers me uh, tremendously because covetousness is an unnatural desire, and uh, uh, people don't put through these unnatural desires uh, that that is idolatry. That's the thing that really bothers me. But I guess in this season... 
we uh, people uh, uh, they, actually they they like to talk about Christ and His birth, uh, but we're we're told as Christians that we have to remember the excruciating death that He suffered for us in redeeming us from our sins, and that's the only thing I find in in uh, uh, in God's word that we're commanded by the Word of God to remember. Uh, George, you know, um, the uh, we, we would think that we're too far advanced to bow down to an idol. You know, we're not idol worshippers no. like those pagans. But well, it, we are. That's right, because this passage in Colossians 3, 5 tells us Absolutely. that covetousness is our idolatry. So that's what we worship. We worship the dollar and the things the dollar can buy. Well, that's, uh, Colossians 3 and 5. Uh, really is a tremendous verse because I don't think people realize I've heard people even use the expression Brother Gwen uh, of looking at something on television and I've, I've even witnessed the saying, saying I could kill for that yeah. <laughs> you know that is a horrible horrible attitude and that is covetousness which is idolatry absolutely and it, it, it bothers me when I hear people say I'd do anything for this yeah, I think you're exactly right, George, and, and you're you are identifying the problem of our modern age. We live in such a time of, of prosperity and abundance that it's it's gotten a hold of us. Yes, I do. But I'm glad you brought up Colossians three and five because I I teach that so much. Well, thank you, George. Appreciate you listening up there in Ohio tonight. God bless you. And thank you for calling nine three one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com or Skype the virtual Bible study tonight. Let us know your thoughts. What do you think about materialism? Are we being too strict about materialism at this time of year? Are we being too strict about lying when we say that we should be careful about telling our kids about Santa Claus or careful about the other lies we may be tempted to tell this time of year? Let us know your thoughts as we talk about hazards that occur this time of year on the virtual Bible study tonight. We need to get some of our listeners to phone in or to email us and let us know. how. What do you think about uh, what... If you observe Christmas, with what restrictions or limitations or how wide open do you go in the observance of Christmas? We want to hear from you. Tell us a little bit about what you think. It's obviously a pertinent subject. It's it's this time of year, and the world around us is caught up in it. What about its impact on us as Christians? What, And especially tonight, what we're saying is, do you realize that Satan can use this as an opportunity, uh, an open door to present temptations to us? That's what we especially need to be concerned about. Exactly. We cannot let our guard down, even this time of year, when we're thinking about relaxing. We still have to be on guard spiritually to avoid the sins that the devil would like us to fall into. What are some hazards you believe people are tempted to fall into this holiday season? Let us know your thoughts on the virtual Bible study tonight. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com or Skype the Virtual Bible Study tonight to let us know your thoughts. Well, another temptation... That- Jacob, before we, get, before we move on, let me add, let me add an, another note from, uh, from Jack's email. He says, There's the aspect of commercialism and outright greed and indifference. We are taught by society at large to mock gifts given in love if they don't suit our needs. That is why there are after Christmas sales and return days. Return what you don't want and get what suits you is the mantra... 
uh, touted at this time of year, forget that the giver put down their hard-earned money to, uh, to do something nice. Children rip open packages without any care in the world of what sacrifice it took to get them a present. Uh, lo and behold, if it's not what uh, they want in the first place. And and so uh, uh, he, he adds, there's nothing wrong in giving gifts to one another and showing love at any time. But Christmas is full of danger for believers in regards to materialism. Thank you for those comments, Jack. I believe you're correct about materialism, especially this time of year when uh, we focus on what we're getting, what we want, and what material things we can get our hands on. We've got to be careful about that this time of year. I think another danger that we have to be careful about and a temptation that the devil uses this time of year is the temptation of alcohol, Dad. You know, we talk about uh, Christmas parties, and a big part of Christmas parties, it seems, is alcohol and the consumption of alcohol. There's even a special drink, an alcoholic drink, this time of year. I don't think it's drunk any other time of year than uh, Christmas time. That would be an eggnog. Uh, Alcohol is a big part of Christmas, and the devil will try and tempt us with alcohol. Exactly right. You know, the Bible warns about drunkenness. And, you know, a lot of times when we talk about the consumption of alcohol, people say, well, I know it's wrong to get drunk. Well, a lot of people who know it's wrong to get drunk get drunk at Christmas parties and at other uh, events related to Christmas. Somehow it seems like it's a license for that sort of thing to happen. Drunkenness is clearly uh, condemned. Colossians, uh, excuse me, Romans 13, uh, verse 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We're to avoid drunkenness. Drunkenness is one of the works of the flesh. Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21 mentions among other things drunkenness as that which will keep a person from inheriting the kingdom of God and 1 Corinthians 6 verses 9 and 10 says the same thing. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So, you know, it, drunkenness is clearly condemned. I, I don't know. Nobody can argue that point. And as I said, even people who know it's wrong to get drunk will sometimes get drunk in, in this Christmas season. What about maybe uh, some other concerns? Let's, let's say I'm going, but I'm not going to drink to the point of drunkenness. Maybe I'm going to go, but I just promise that I won't get drunk at this time of year. What about that? Well, if there are going to be other Christians there who are drunk, or Christians or non-Christians, either one. Well, okay, the instruction of 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 is to be careful about those who are Christians. Uh, Jared, read 1 Corinthians 5, 11. 1 Corinthians 5, 11. But now I've written unto you not to keep company. If any man is called a brother, be a fornicator, or a covetous, or a idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with one such a one, know not to eat. All right, so the danger there is, and the instruction is to be careful about uh, brethren who are drunkards. We've got to avoid their association. What about, though, if we just go to the party, nobody gets drunk, but we consume a little bit of alcohol? What do you think about that? Let us know your thoughts during this break. What about consuming alcohol just so long as you don't get drunk at these Christmas parties? Is that okay? Can we have just a little sip or two, Dad, of that eggnog? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Yeah, I think we need to, you know, we, I don't know that we've ever really addressed that subject in the virtual Bible study, but uh, I believe we can argue that the Bible teaches Christians should abstain totally uh, from alcohol. Before we go to the break, Jacob, let me read an, an email we've got from Indiana. 
this is tr- this is made in reference to the fact that there's some good things that happen at this time of year. I don't think anybody would argue that. Uh, he says, uh, even though Christmas is inaccurate in almost every aspect of what the holiday stands for, one has to look at the effect it has on people and how it changes their attitude towards everyone at this time of year. There's no other time of the year uh, that families seem to get together more uh, than this week. People are also kinder, friendly, more generous, and life seems to be so great for everyone. Uh, why can't it be that way every day of our lives? We are to think of godly things every day, be thankful for what we have, and treat others well, and teach the story of Christ all the time, not just once a year. When I'm asked, uh, 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 do I celebrate the holiday, I say no, and then I explain to the person the background and origin of Christmas, and they seem to be completely oblivious to the history of the holiday. Uh, people accept things too easily and don't try to understand what they believe. I think that's right. I mean, I, I, as we said earlier, gift-giving is a fine thing at any time of the year, and to be generous, especially to those in need, is a very positive thing taught in the Bible. I think this email suggests, though, some of the goodwill that people can only muster up at this time of year ought to be evidenced all the time, not just when it's motivated by some situation such as christmas yeah you know i was uh, going into a fast food restaurant before the program tonight uh, on the way here tonight and uh on the window of that fast food uh some, there was a little painting on there that said wise men still seek him talking about jesus the owner of that uh of that restaurant obviously has faith in christ and they're showing it this time of year I won't show it, though, come January 1st uh, as much. It would be great if, if everyone would talk about Christ on a, on a daily basis. It would be great if we all treated each other uh, kindly and uh, were uh, positive about uh, things, as people are this time of year. So excellent points there by our emailer. Yeah, thanks for that email. All right, let's go to a break. When we get back to the bre- from the break, we want to take an email from you. What about going to the Christmas party? and having just a sip or two of alcohol. We're not going to get drunk, and uh, we'll behave ourselves. We won't do anything that we shouldn't, but we just want to have a sip or two of the alcohol. What do you think about that? Can we have a drink of alcohol just so long as we don't get drunk? What's the Bible tell us about that? What are your thoughts? Let us know, 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or Skype us to let us know your thoughts. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the Virtual Bible Study. A streaming Bible study 
Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. And welcome back to the program tonight. We're glad you're a part of it on the Virtual Bible Studies. We talk about some hazards that we're facing this time of year, maybe some specific temptations that Christians face as we go through the holiday season. We'd like to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts. Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Call us at 931-381-4567 or Skype with the Virtual Bible Study to participate in the program tonight. We're talking about alcohol, as we talked about before the break. The Bible clearly condemns drunkenness, but what about having a drink or two just so long as we don't get drunk? What does the Bible tell us about that? Well, I think the Bible is very clear that we must abstain from alcohol. The Bible, in fact, commands total abstinence. The Christians were repeatedly commanded to be sober in the first century, and so we have to understand that that uh, we are to be sober, and we need to look at what that word means. I think we have an email there, Dad. You can look at that while we look at some of these verses where the Christians in the first century were commanded to be sober. The Greek word nepho is translated sober four times in the King James Version of the Bible. It's translated twice as sober in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, where we're instructed, ye are the children of the light. And the children of the day, we are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. There's the word nepho. For they that sleep sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of, of faith and love. All right, there's two commands there to be sober. That Greek word nepho, what does that word mean? Vine translates the word nepho as meaning to signify to be free from the influence of intoxicants. Vine tells us that the word sober means to be free from the influence of intoxicants. Strong translates the word nepho as meaning to abstain from wine or to keep sober. We're told there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, twice that we're to be sober. The instruction for Christians then is to be sober. We look over at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. We're instructed again, Wherefore, gird up your loin, the loins of your mind, be sober, the Greek word nepho, and hope to the end of the, for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, two more, another place where we are instructed to be sober. And then finally, or second, another verse in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. So we see numerous times to be sober is instructed of Christians. Jacob, this email that we've got is from our buddy Jeff down in Fayetteville, Tennessee. Jeff, we're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study tonight. He mentions that verse you just referenced, Jacob. 1 Peter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch into prayer. He, he uh, gives us a definition from Kittle's Theological Dictionary of the New Testament concerning that Greek word nepho, completely unaffected by wine. So that would be someone who hadn't had any at all, not someone who's not just drunk, but somebody who hadn't had any at all. Strong says to abstain from wine. To abstain. Vine's expository dictionary on drunken, drunk, drunken, drunker, drunkenness. Uh, methuo signifies to be drunk with wine. The verb is used of being intoxicated. Matthew 24:49, Acts 2:15, 1 Corinthians 11:21. Methusko signifies to make drunk or to grow drunk, an inceptive verb marking the process of the state expressed in the, the first verb. So he says this is an inceptive verb expressing the beginning of an action. And so uh, in passages like Luke 12.45, Ephesians 5.18, 1 Thessalonians 5.7, 
it's it's not just to be drunk, but to begin the process of being drunk. We're warned not to do that. It's commanded that we should not do that. And so I think there's some really strong arguments that can be made to tell us that as Christians, we've got no business being involved with intoxicating alcohol at any level, not any degree, not any drunken, not any drinking at all, not just drunkenness, but just not any drinking at all. Thank you for those comments, Jeff. We appreciate you listening tonight down in Fayetteville. One more verse that tells us to be sober using that Greek word nepho is the verse that we started the program with as we talked about the dangers that are facing us this holiday season. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8, we're instructed, be sober. The Greek word nepho, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Now, Dad, we're talking about these dangers that we're facing this holiday season. We talk about the devil being a roaring lion. Let's assume that we were in a room with a real, live, roaring lion. Would we want to have any alcohol in our system? No, you'd want to be at the top of your game. You'd want to be completely able to deal with all your uh, senses in avoiding that danger. All right. We are in a room with a real lion, not a literal lion, but the devil, a roaring lion, wanting our soul. The same question then, Dad, do we want any alcohol in our system to in- impair our judgment? Absolutely not. I think that's, I think that's true. You know, uh, of course, we're not uh, uh, just talking about drunkenness or drinking tonight, but I think there's a lot to be said about that. One of the, uh, it tickles me sometimes when you even hear Christians who will try to make an argument from First thir- Timothy 5, verse 28, where Paul told Timothy, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. I've heard plenty of Christians who say that justifies drinking a little, taking a little wine. Not to get drunk, but to drink a little. And actually, uh, the reason I like him to bring up that verse is because I think that verse proves our point instead of theirs. Here was Timothy, who was a faithful Christian in the first century. What was his normal practice? His normal practice was to drink not any at all, not a drop. And Paul had to tell him to take some for a medicinal benefit. Now, you know, there's a difference between taking some of the medicinal benefit and taking it just by habit or course. Timothy's normal habit, his normal course of conduct was to drink none at all. When there was a medical, potential medical benefit to it, he had to be instructed to take it, much like us getting a prescription from a doctor for a drug that might aid us in an illness. But uh, that verse proves that Christians in the first century did not drink, not any at all. So uh, and there, there's a lot that could be said about that. But again, that's one of the dangers of this uh, present time of year. First Peter 4 verse 3 says... For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. First Peter 4, verse 3. We don't have time to go into great detail there, but that's a very powerful verse that discusses the consumption of alcohol, and it condemns drinking at all levels. Not only drunkenness, but so-called social drinking is condemned with the words that are found in that verse. If anybody doubts that, do a word study uh, of the words there in First Peter 4, verse 3. You'll find that it absolutely destroys the argument that you can drink a little so much so long as you don't get drunk. All right. Let us know your thoughts. 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or Skype the Virtual Bible Study. We'd like to hear from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. Jacob, we've got an email from George up in Ohio. He tried. He called us a little while ago, and we had so much trouble with the phone line. <laughs> he decided to email us and tried to, instead of trying to deal that static on the phone line again. He says uh, Galatians five nineteen through twenty one. 
covers all types of sin, including drunkenness. But Paul ends these verses by saying, and such like. Should we then go to parties where drinking is taking place and we refrain from partaking? I think that would fall under such like. Of course, that's the text, Galatians 5, 19 through 20, that enumerates the works of the flesh. And so Paul lists a number of things and things like that. And such like, he says, and, and George says that being around and associating with people, even if you don't drink, but associating in situations where people are, is probably such like. All right, what do you think? We'd like to hear from you on the virtual Bible study tonight. Well, another hazard, another temptation the devil will place before us is the hazard of uh, forsaking the assembling. You know, as we travel around to see family, as we spend time with family throughout the holidays, whatever the holidays may be, maybe we're talking about the 4th of July, we're talking about Thanksgiving, whenever we may be tempted uh, to forsake the assembling because we have other things going on, the devil would like us to believe that it would be okay to miss the assembling with the saints because of family obligations or other personal commitments. Yet- Jacob, I'm sure there's going to be churches that are canceling services on Sunday, at least Sunday evening, because it's Christmas Eve. Certainly, because wouldn't it be great to spend time with our family on Christmas Eve? And in churches where they haven't canceled their Sunday night services this week, there'll be people who stay away to get involved in Christmas activities with family and friends. There will likely be members of the Lord's Church who will miss the assembling of the saints uh, on Sunday and maybe more on Sunday night because of family commitments. The devil would like us to believe that it would be okay to do this, that it would be okay to put other things in front of assembling with the saints. Yet we read in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, an instruction that's good 365 days of the year, regardless of the holiday. And let us consider one another provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We need to look at the instruction there to make sure we do not forsake the assembly. Jared, it's in question for us to consider if we do forsake the assembling, where does that, what does that say about where our priorities are? Well, you know, if you have a priority, you're willing to work around things to make sure you meet that priority. You have a priority of eating. I like to eat every day. I move things around to make sure that I eat every day. And the same thing it should be about our spiritual service. If we're p- placing that as a priority in our life, we'll move things around, family things around so that we can serve a priority of serving our Father in heaven. Matthew 6.33 echoes that point, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Talking about setting our priorities first with God, and we need to do that also in the holiday season. Well, it's Christmas, man. Yeah, we don't get to get together with our family very often, and this is a special occasion, and it just seems like it ought to be all right. I mean, it's just Sunday night services. Would it be so bad this week if I didn't go to church? Because my family's in, and I, you know, I want to spend time with my family. What's so bad about that? Well, actually, Jesus addressed that, didn't he? In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Even to the point of choosing our spiritual duties to God and our, uh, Above family. This is a pretty good test, you know. Some people need to understand that they're being tested to see how well they live up to that standard that Jesus stated there in Matthew chapter 10, 37. If you stay away from assemblies and when you neglect spiritual duties because your family's in and it's Christmas and you want to spend time with your family, then you're saying, I love my family more than I love the Lord. And Jesus specifically condemned that, uh, you know, we, we, we can learn a lesson there. You know, it's, it's pretty hypocritical, Jacob, when 
people who make the argument we ought to keep Christ in Christmas and then they'll forsake church services because of Christmas. I mean, it's something just not fitting there. Or it's hypocritical of those who would be against, uh, uh, you know, the idea of putting Christ back in Christmas for to say, well, we should be thankful for Christ 365 days of the year. Well, where will you be on Christmas Eve then if you're thankful for Christ? Will you be worshiping him or will you be at home uh, with your family? Those are some things that we need to think about. It's time for another break. What do you think about the things we've said so far? What do you think about other hazards? What are some other things that we need to be on guard against this holiday season? We'd like to take a call or take an email from you. The number to call is 931-381-4567 or send those comments via email to questions at collegeview.com. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this one last break. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hello, everyone. I'm Britt Haynes. I'm a member of the College View Church of Christ. A lot of people in the religious world today tell us that as long as our heart is right and we truly love God, we can do whatever we want in our service to Him. They say that what we do doesn't matter because God is only interested in our heart. I believe they have it all wrong. True, God is interested in our hearts, but He's also interested in our actions. One reason why is because our actions describe the true condition of our heart. This is what Jesus taught in Matthew 12, verse 34, when he said, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. So I believe that if we are doing whatever we want to in our service and are not serving God exactly like he has asked, then our heart is not right before God. The members of the College View Church of Christ are committed to making sure that both our hearts and our actions are pleasing to God. If you're interested in doing the same, we encourage you to join us for worship this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. Welcome back. We're glad that you're taking time to join us on the virtual Bible study tonight, and we hope that you're enjoying the discussion so far. As we talk about dangers of the holiday season, the number to call to participate with letting us know your thoughts about dangers we may be facing Nine three one three eight one four five six seven. The email address to use to send in your question or comment is questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, we've got an email from our buddy Mike here in Columbia, Tennessee, and he's got a comment about materialism. He says, according to we, – we commented earlier in the program, by the way, if you've joined us late, we commented earlier about one of the dangers of the Christmas season is the materialism and the covetousness associated with all that's – uh, involved and Mike is commenting on that here he says according to scientific research and evidence not only does the pursuit of wealth not lead to happiness it may actually make us unhappy even when we are successful according to Massachusetts Institute of Technology he said I found this note about how blessed far above what our needs are uh, in this country we're, we're blessed far above our needs in the Los Angeles Times Americans spent 34 billion last year on their pets that means that people in the U.S. spend more on their pets than the entire economies of North Korea, Kenya, and Paraguay. While many verses have already been mentioned, if someone were to review Solomon's writings in Ecclesiastes, they can clearly see that Solomon found out that extraordinary riches do not equate to happiness or godliness. Really good observations, and I think he's especially on the mark there about Solomon potentially the richest man who ever lived certainly the richest man of his day he was the bill gates of his day and probably far richer in comparison than even bill gates is and he was not happy with it and he wrote 
very clearly about that in the in the, uh, Ecclesiastes, and and so uh, Solomon knew from personal experience that materialism, money, the things money can buy. That doesn't bring you happiness. Thanks for the email, Mike. Glad you're listening tonight. Thank you for listening, Mike. And we have plenty of time to hear from you. 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, or you can use the Skype button on our website to contact us on the program. What do you think? We've talked about several holiday hazards, dangers that we may be facing from the devil this time of year. We've talked about lying. What do you think about that? Can we tell our kids about Santa Claus? We've talked about materialism, as Mike just noted. We've talked about drinking. What about alcohol? We've talked about the fact that we should be abstaining from all alcohol. And we've talked about forsaking the assembling. Clearly, we have to be on guard against forsaking the assembling. Jacob, we're getting some emails coming in. I got one from Tom here in, in Columbia. Uh, some questions about the, the so-called Christmas traditions as the birth of Jesus. You know, I think one of the dangers of the season is that we we maybe leave people with the impression that we think that this evolved Christmas story about the birth of Jesus is all biblical and sound, even to the day uh, that that we uh, are told is supposedly the birthday of Jesus, December 25th. Uh, Tom here in Columbia writes, is December 25th really the day that Jesus was born? Uh, and he says, uh, no one really knows. What is known is that Christian leaders in 336 set the date to December 25th in an attempt to eclipse a popular pagan holiday in Rome that celebrated... Um, well, it celebrated the winter solstice, the, the birthday of the invincible sun god. In other words, in the, in the middle of the winter, the sun had gone far into the southern hemisphere, so they had a celebration to bring it back, and lo and behold, here it came back. And so it was an annual celebration and a, and a, and a, a raucous pagan festival in the middle of the winter, and, uh, uh, in the 4th century, one theologian wrote, uh, We hold this day holy, not like the pagans because of the birth of the sun, but because of him who made it. Originally, the celebration of Christmas involved a simple mass, but over time, Christmas has replaced a number of other holidays and in many other countries, and a large number of traditions have been absorbed into the celebration in the process. Uh, I, I think that uh, Tom's comment there is exactly right, and that's part of the problem. That's one of the dangers. You know, we may... Uh, fall victim to believing things that are not true or leave the impression with others that we do believe that those things uh, are true that are not. Uh, here's an email from Diana. She asked uh, in Alabama, Diana in Alabama, glad you're listening tonight to the virtual Bible study. And she asked, based on the fact that most, if not all, uh, Christmas traditions had their origin in paganism, we are questioning whether it's right for Christians to celebrate Christmas in any way. Even those traditions we say are secular still have pagan origins. If it's okay to celebrate them, when in history did it become okay, and when and where do you draw the line between what is okay and what isn't? That's a good question. Uh, there are some things that we do that... Uh, that we don't even think about. I mean, they've long since lost any connection to pagan origins. Uh, for instance, uh, it has been pointed out that the days of the week uh, got their names originally, our Eng the English names that we use for the days of the week, uh, Sunday for the sun god, Monday for the moon god, uh, Saturday for a planet or one of the Roman uh, gods by that name, uh, 
the the months of the year were named after pagan gods. January for the Roman god Janus. Uh, Februs was a Roman deity, May a Greek goddess. June uh, for Juno, a goddess of the Romans. Uh, July and August for Roman emperors, Julius and Augustus Caesar, who allowed themselves to be worshipped as God. Uh, so, you know, there, there's some of the things that we do may have, or names that we use may have had their roots in paganism. I don't think it's necessarily wrong for me to talk about Sunday or January just because those names had those origins there. It, it is a question. I think uh, Diana used the line, where do you draw the line? And I think you have to draw that line, whereas people make a connection, or people, if, if what we're doing relative to anything leads people to the assumption that we are having some agreement with or association with, with false religion or pagan practices, obviously we don't want to do that. Now the question becomes, if someone sees me involved in some secular observance of Christmas, do they assume that I'm practicing that as a religious right, and I think that's where you have to make your decision. I think everybody has to make their own decision in that regard, but I think that's the distinction. And if you got any thoughts along that line, uh, by all means, give us a call, send us an email. Thank you for listening down there in Alabama and for that question. It's an interesting discussion, an interesting question. You know, there are going to be some uh, personal decisions made on uh, where you draw that line, I think. And, uh, you know, some may draw that line a little bit differently than others. We've got to make sure that we have no association, with, as you mentioned, Dad, with anything that's pagan or with anything that would look like we're binding false a, religion. a false religion. I think that's exactly right. I mean, there's just no doubt that uh, the, that Christmas had its, had its roots in both false Christian religion, especially the Roman Catholic Church, and in paganism. There's just no doubt that you go back uh, 1,500 years ago, and that's where it was. That's where it came from. We're 1,500 years removed from that, and so can can a Christian who does not believe in the religious observance of Christmas, that is, we do not believe that Jesus was born on December 25th, and even if he was which he wasn't, but if he was, there's no command or authority in Scripture to make that a religious observance. We're fully committed to that. We, we, we are committed to Colossians 3, verse 17, which tells us that whatever we do in word or do, deed, we're to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so, you know, we, we have to have authority for what we do. We're committed to that. But, in having said that, does someone, if, if, if someone sees me, uh, with a, uh, candle lit on my table in the middle of December, do they assume that I'm practicing false religion or paganism? I think that's the question everybody has to answer. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Plenty of time to take your comments. 931-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We've got to be careful about binding traditions as doctrine, Dad, and that's the danger with the organized celebration of Christmas. Those in the religious world have bound this as a doctrine. It is a tradition of man. We cannot establish a holiday or a uh, observance that and and say that it is something that all should observe when the Bible hasn't mentioned it. And so organizations, religious organizations that would do such, would bind it as a holiday that all should observe. They're binding where God has not given us any instruction. 
Back to our email. We got one more reference to the email that Jack sent us right at the start of the program. He said, uh, I wholeheartedly agree that we shouldn't celebrate Christmas as a religious holiday since it is celebrating a false concept of Christ and the time of his birth and several messages centered around it. First of all, we are certain that the time frame in which his birth is celebrated is not correct. Uh, this has been already proven. Secondly, uh, three wise men are always mentioned when, in fact, we're not told how many there were. Uh, uh, third, we are not given the exact dimensions of the manger or clear-cut description of what it would look like. Uh, but people feel more religious at this time of year by putting up manger scenes and so forth. Uh, he says these are a few points to consider. Um you know, one of the things that, uh, in regards to the false traditions associated with the, the Christmas holiday, uh, is that the, there were three wise men, and they came and they saw Jesus in the manger in Bethlehem. We don't know there were three. The Bible doesn't tell us that. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 tells us that they didn't come to the stable of the, where the manger was when Jesus was a babe. They came later, and they came to a house where Jesus and his mother were. I mean, the, the stories got twisted. People not even careful to relate the facts that are, are revealed in the Scripture concerning the birth of Jesus. Now, Jesus was still in the manger when they came to see him. They should have brought him a baby bed because uh, he needed something other than that. If he was still in the manger that long, uh, you know, the the, the Histor- the human uh, and the traditional celebration of this day and the facts that are related to it are just not biblical. And so that's an interesting observation. We appreciate Jack for his good comments on the program tonight. Well, Jacob, we've talked about a lot of the dangers associated with the Christmas observance. I think as Christians, you know, somebody, again, I, I think what that some might say, well, you're, you're really straining there to make a point. I mean, you, you're worried about things that you don't have to worry about. But I, I believe we've been br- been able to bring up some legitimate dangers that Christians have to be aware of associated with this time of year. We can't let our guard down. We may be on vacation from work. We may have the day off. But the devil doesn't take days off, Jared. He's a roaring lion looking who he can devour. We've got to be on guard. We do. All right. Well, Dad, appreciate all of our listeners. Uh, we got another email there. Real quick, we got an email from our friend Ben out in Iowa. Ben, we're glad you're listening tonight. He says, I don't celebrate Christmas, but what about Colossians 2, verse 16? Uh, Colossians 2, verse 16. Let me read it and see if, see the connection he made me making there. Colossians 2.16 says, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath day. I think in that context uh, that Paul was writing about the observance of the holy days of the Old Testament law. Uh, verse 14 says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. So the handwritten ordinances that Jesus nailed to the cross were the handwritten ordinances of the law of Moses. And and since he did that, then we are not to let any man judge us in meat or drink or in respect of a holy day, the new moon or the Sabbath days. In other words, since Jesus nailed the Old Testament law of Moses to the cross, then nobody can come along and say, well, you're not keeping the holy days. You're not keeping the Passover. You're, you're not you're not keeping Pentecost. You're not. You're not keeping those feast days and holidays, holy days of, of, of the Old Testament law of Moses. 
Well, they're not allowed to judge me in regards to those things because that's not the law anymore. I think that's the context of Colossians two fourteen through 16. Uh, I hope that helps, Ben. Ben, we're glad you're listening out there in Iowa. You know, one, one passage that may be a little bit more related to that than, uh, than that passage, um, Colossians chapter 2, maybe Romans chapter 14, verse 5, Dad, where we're told, One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every, every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Talk about that real quick, Dad, in relation to uh, the celebration of of a day like Christmas. Well, I think if I, I've made the point that, I, and I think I was, I, I think I could defend this. If I wanted to set aside a day, pick a day, any day, even December twenty fifth, but I probably wouldn't do that. But let's say that I wanted to pick the twenty second of, of of June. Say so I'm going to spend this whole day thinking about the great gift that God gave, sending His Son Jesus to live here on Earth. The, the miracle of the virgin birth, all that was involved in the fulfillment of prophecies when Jesus came to live among men. You know, it, it's a, a really amazing thing. It's a wonderful story. It's a great gift that God made to man when he sent his son to live here among us. Let's say I want to spend a whole day. I'm just going to set aside that day. I'm going to read all the gospel accounts of the birth of Jesus. I'm going to go back and tie them in with the biblical prophecies in the Old Testament. I'm going to spend time praying to God in relationship to that singular event in history. And I'm just going to make, commit myself that whole day and give it, give myself over to that remembrance. Could I do that? Well, I think I could do that. I don't think there'd be anything wrong with that. But, when I begin to teach that as a necessary thing, and then I begin to bind the observance of June 22nd as the day in which everybody must remember the birth of Jesus, then I've crossed the line. All right, I think that's exactly right. One more email. We're a little over time, but one more email from Dawson up in Indiana. Dawson, we're glad you're listening. He says, what happens when Christmas falls on the Lord's Day, or in, as in this case, Christmas Eve on Lord's Day? What should we do? He says, we know... We've already made. I think he's saying we've made up our mind. Quote: Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. In other words, he's talking about our commitment is to God, and it comes before these other observances of uh, tradition. Traditions I think the of answer to uh, Dawson's question is: When it falls on the Lord's day. We are to serve the Lord. When that's it falls right. on any day of the week, we're to serve the Lord. And I think that's what he's saying with his email. He's and committed to that. Exactly. We've got to be committed to serving the Lord in spite of any of these temptations that the devil may put upon us. Thank you for listening, Dawson, and for your comments. Uh, we've got another email. One more. We'll take one more. We're over time anyway. We'll go one Keep more here. Got another email. He said, this fellow says, I had a lady at work ask me today if we were having a Christmas Eve service. I had to respond yes, but only because Christmas Eve falls on the first day of the week and we worship every first day. As Christians, maybe we should use this time of year to look for opportunities to teach others about the gospel. The conversation is already centered around spiritual things that we can take advantage of it to ask them to open the scriptures and see what the Bible says about Jesus' birth and death and what he died for. We could even invite them to our Christmas Eve service this year. Excellent points, Mike, and appreciate you bringing that up. You know, there is a focus on Christ. There are a lot of interest in Christ right now. And if we just have a, a negative answer and we don't go into further d- discussion with someone, we might miss an opportunity to talk to them about the gospel, Dad. And that's an excellent point that Mike makes. Yeah, appreciate it, Mike. Yeah, Thanks so for listening. We need to take advantage of the opportunities, and thank you for that example and that advice, Mike. Appreciate that tonight. Thank you for listening. All right, well, that's a wrap for tonight. Jared, thanks for being a part of the program. Thanks for letting me be a part of it. And, Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Well, we enjoyed it. I hope I hope we had a good uh, discussion that was an encouragement to others. Uh, we look forward to these Thursday night Bible studies, and we hope that you do. And make, a, make it a regular date. Use your computer for something good for a change. 
Tell others about it. Spread the word about the virtual Bible study. And if you have any questions or comments about the things we talked about on the program tonight, send them anytime to questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk with you in more detail about the things we talked about tonight. Thank you for making the virtual Bible study a part of your night tonight. We know you're busy and you have lots of things that weigh on your, on your, for your time. We thank you for taking time to study the Bible with us tonight. We hope you'll be back here next Thursday for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.